Hi, welcome to the Get Strong and Healthy podcast. My name is Anna Clow. Thank you for being here. Today, we have a special guest joining us today. We got Kristen Zamet. <laughs> I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. Kristen and I go a couple of years back. We connected through the fitness industry doing uh, you know, similar, similar things in our career. So Kristen has a really cool story. She is owner of Fit Body in Ashburn. And yeah, I'm excited to dive into some uh, nutrition conversation here today. So let's get started with, if you want to share with our listeners a little bit about you, your journey, your fitness journey, your career, and then we can go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. First and foremost, thank you for having me on. This has been such a long time coming with this. Um, as we all know, life can take over at times, but I'm so glad we finally have scheduled in the time to do so. Um, my journey, you know, to be honest, I don't have any crazy background story. You know, growing up, I, I did always play sports. I played volleyball and softball and always kind of had that inner athlete within me. I played volleyball in college. Um, I studied health and physical education. And it was in college where, you know, there's a time and a place for you to have the college personality, you have the college, like, I don't know the experience. And, and even though health and fitness wasn't I would say my top priority, I hate to put it that way. Um, but, you know, being a college athlete, I was D3. It did hold me, you know, to a certain standard and it held me accountable to at least, I kind of like to say doing the bare minimum in the sense. So it's never like I was overweight and needed to drastically lose weight by any means, but I was just always athletic and I love sports and I love being a part of a team. Um, so with my studies, how I got to own Ashburn Fit Body was I was studying health and physical education and I was doing kind of like, like the internship that I would say colleges do and whatnot. I took one step into the school, saw all these kids running around because they were kind of guiding me into doing, uh, being a PE teacher, right? I saw all these kids running around and immediately ran in the other direction. Like I didn't even last the whole day. I ran straight to my college advisor, like bawling my eyes out. Like I was a junior in college. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Um, it was too late for me to switch my major. If I wanted to switch my major, then I was going to have to stay um, an extra couple semesters. And I was already on track to graduating early. So they just suggested finish out your degree. And then, you know, this industry, and I didn't realize it at the time, but there are so many different avenues that you can go down. So it was that summer I met uh, Mary Catherine Stahl at the Roanoke Country Club, just at the pool. She was studying her personal trainer, NASM CPT book. Um, and I just sparked a conversation with her. You know, after that conversation, later that summer, uh, I checked out Blacksburg Fit Body Bootcamp right by Virginia Tech. And I started as a part-time coach, just kind of did what I could fell in love with being in that type of group environment, uh, helping individuals like just high energy. And I just really wanted to be freaking good at it. And so it took a great leader to just take a chance and take a risk on somebody that truly didn't have any experience in the coaching game, but invested into me, my coaching qualities, but also 
my personal development. And here I am. It was five and a half years or no, five years later, I was owning my own studio. So we've been open for a year and a half now. And I just, I know I'm, I'm doing exactly what I feel like I'm meant to be doing. So it's been awesome. Oh my gosh. What a story. <laughs> long story short have the conversation (laughs) literally like um yeah you never know like what that person can help you with and so that's really to it's been really cool to you know see you make these moves too just like being your friend for a couple years and like Krista you're doing what that's (laughs) so I like slap myself in the face sometimes being like you're doing what now you know Um, before that, you know, during quarantine, like heavy COVID times, um, and this is where me and you actually really got to connect on a deeper level, uh, was through my online nutrition coaching and kind of just coaching clients virtually, you know, holding them accountable to staying healthy. Like, I feel as though that was the time more than, than ever that people truly needed to take care of their health because without, eating healthy, moving your body, you're so susceptible to like getting sick worse and feeling terrible and not, you know, climbing out of it. So that's how we got really connected through it. And I'm excited to dive deeper into this whole nutrition chat, because although I'm a business owner, whatever, now, I I don't even know how to phrase it at times. It's crazy to say. Um, I love talking about this stuff. It's like, I'm a coach at heart. So this is going to be good. Yeah, awesome. So before we dive into that conversation, I would love if you share a little bit about your experience bodybuilding, because that's something that you did was compete in bodybuilding. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about like what that was like. Um, and, you know, just oh. any, any insight for our listeners on like that kind of journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to preface this conversation by saying the only reason why I felt comfortable competing in one show. I only competed in one show um, and I'll explain why here in a minute. But the reason why I felt so comfortable or confident doing it is because I was in the best place I had ever been in mentally. My my relationship with food, I wasn't eliminating any major macronutrient sources. Like I was eating protein, fats and carbs. Um, I wasn't skipping meals. I had a very healthy balance with fitness. Um, I was craving more, you know, it kind of gets to a point where you're in group fitness a lot. You're a coach, you're setting the standard for your clients and bodybuilding for me at the time just kind of felt like it was that next step to doing something challenging, doing something hard. Um, I had never taken it to that extreme before. And to be honest, the, having the support of my fiance, he, he's the bodybuilder. Like he does it pretty regularly seasonally. Um, he had never essentially pushed me to go into it because he knows how extreme it is. Um, but when I had vocalized that I wanted to go into it, having a sounding board and having somebody that truly understood the hardships of it, um, it was great to have. So my prep was 22 weeks long. It was very long. Um, and I, I will say this, if you have any sort of bad outlook or negative outlook on food. If you're not getting in regular sleep, if you're not in a routine, if you are missing workouts throughout the week, if you have a struggle with 
uh, consistency, like hitting any type of nutrition goal is not for you. Like it, it was 22 weeks of being a hundred percent on a hundred percent of the time. And as confident as I felt going into it and as balanced and as healthy as I felt coming out of it at the end, it was a struggle. It was a complete 180 for me. Like my relationship with food was heavily impacted. I felt like I looked at a cookie and I gained weight afterwards. You literally take yourself to such extremes that you get so used to seeing yourself in that body. You, your perception of healthy is now skewed because as the leanness, as lines start to kind of fade away, but you're gaining healthy body fat to restore your hormones to keep yourself moving throughout your day to day, you're all you're thinking in your mind simultaneously, like this shouldn't be happening. Or why is this happening? Like, why is my body gaining body fat? Like you're so fixated on it. Um, cravings were out of control. And to be honest, like being in a prep like that, it's not just the 22 weeks, right? Like you have to be physically and mentally prepared for not only everything beforehand, but everything during, but also everything after, right? It took me like a whole year, year and a half to finally feel like I was, I hate to say normal, but like back to where I had started, but improved in the beginning. So yeah, bodybuilding is another like beast that, you know, when talking about like the triangle of awareness, you're going all in on that point of aesthetics and then longevity and performance can kind of suffer. So it's like, it's a little bit of going out of balance for like that very specific goal. And so, you know, it's really cool. And it comes with those like, you know, pros and cons, but, um, but yeah, do you feel like it just kind of showed you like another level of discipline? Absolutely. Like, I will say the biggest thing that I got out of that is like proving to myself that I can, when I put my mind to it and my heart is there with it, that was the thing. My mind and my heart were there together where I was like, I'm going to freaking do this. And it was so powerful to see that I had finally put myself first in that sense where selfishly, because it's a very selfish area of the industry, like for yourself, um, that I could do it. Right. So it was very fulfilling to follow through with what I said I was going to do. Um, would I do it again? I've always learned to say, never say never, but it's not in my future to be, it's not in my foreseeable slash distant future by any means. Yeah. That's what I hear from most people that like, yeah, it was a cool experience, but I'm not, not interested again. And then there's the few who it's like a regular, you know, like your, your fiance, which is just another breed. I know. Well, and to be honest, like at that time, it was right after like things from COVID started really opening up and I had the opportunity to work from home. So it was kind of like, I looked at my environment. I looked at what I was capable to control. And I was like, I'm able to control so much more on my own time now that I can invest the time and the commitment to it. Like now running a business, needing to be up some days at 4am in the morning and not getting home till like 8pm sometimes, like it, it would make it a lot more challenging, you know? So I think when it comes to setting any type of goal, whether it's 
I don't know. I don't know why the first thing that popped into my head was 75 hard, but like a marathon, 75 hard, like bodybuilding competition or anything. I, you should probably start by asking yourself, what is my environment like right now? And is it setting me up for success to achieve this goal? And at the time it was for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that's something that I'm sure you talk about it with clients all the time too, but I'm always talking with clients of how to set their environment up better for success. Um, there's so many things you can do with nutrition specifically is like, get the things out that, you know, are just staring you in the face and just calling you to, you know, overconsume it <laughs> when you don't want to. So, so yeah, on this note, let's dive into some things all around this, uh, conversation of nutrition and really the biggest things that we see hold people back from success with hitting their nutrition goals and therefore being able to make progress towards their goals. So first thing, you know, we were kind of chatting before this, like what we wanted to talk about. And biggest thing that comes up is consistency and consistency, meaning not necessarily perfection, but being able to be consistent most of the time that is really how we're going to see progress. So I'd love if you share a little bit about consistency and kind of like what that needs to look like for, you know, not the, not the bodybuilder, but the, oh. you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, when it comes to consistency with any type of progress, we need to be tracking what we're doing. And that I don't necessarily mean like jumping right into tracking food right away by any means, but throughout the week, like keeping a log, whether it's on your refrigerator or on a calendar, like checking off the boxes, like how many days throughout the week are you actually hitting your steps, drinking your water, like just some form of management. So that way you can actually see, oh my gosh, I'm not doing as poorly as I thought I was, or man, I thought I was doing better than what I'm actually currently doing now. It's just the number one thing that I think can be the most truthful without us like hearing it, right? We are seeing it. Um, but when it comes to consistency, I always like to tell our clients to dive into the foundational habits of making sure that we're getting better quality of sleep, right? Because at times there is not always ways to get in, I would say more hours, but how can we set ourselves up at night for a better morning routine? Like imagine yourself just waking up one morning and just having to get ready, right? You don't have to scramble around to look for that, you know, look for that bag or look for your keys or, or pack your lunch. Like what can you do the night before that's going to set you up for success? Like what I think is so awesome. There's a recent study that um, I've been like diving deeper into that shows if you can have four hours of better quality of sleep, you're going to feel way more rested than eight hours of restless waking up throughout the night sleep. So it's like, set yourself up for success the next morning. So that way you can keep cortisol super low, uh, low as well. Next one after sleep, it's going to be hydration. So if you're able to focus on better nighttime routine, hydration, getting half of your body weight in ounces of water, I think that's always a great goal to generally start with. Um, and then your overall movement, right? So movement, and this can come down to if you're not working out or doing a resistance training program at all, start with your freaking steps, like start with just a 10 minute walk outside. 
Heck, if you're walking zero minutes and sometimes 10 minutes can feel like a long time, I don't care if you do one minute of like a power walk, right? Like, or if you just walk around or walk to the mailbox, right? I think it's starting with tracking, bringing awareness to what your day-to-day is right now and doing anything more than that is going to start helping you achieve those results. So if you're drinking like 20 ounces of water right now, what's improvement from 20 ounces? 21, right? So if you're bringing attention to that, you're going to start feeling more confident as you start following through with things. So absolutely. And, and those things like, you know, they're mass, they're influencing our transformation, but also influencing our nutrition, like directly, like when yeah. we don't get enough sleep or not quality sleep, our cravings, our appetite is going to be, you know, t- totally hijacked. Um, you know, when we're not hydrating enough, that's going to throw things off as well. Maybe you're like extremely snacky. You feel like you can't feel satiated. And in reality, if you were to hydrate, you would feel so much better. So, so yeah, so let's talk about tracking and what this, what this looks like to be accurate, because sometimes even if people are tracking, they are tracking incorrectly and Mm -hmm. that can it's typically leading to overestimating. We see, you know, most often with clients and it's like, even there's been, uh, I believe studies done on even registered dietitians who are, you know, uh, top of the, you know, uh, expertise in nutrition who they even way overestimate when they're tracking. So let's talk about how we can kind of ensure that we are being the most accurate um, and also like why track, like why is it important to track your food if you have a big, goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a big part of tracking is shaping our mindsets around it, just like anything else in life. But I hope to offer a different perspective with tracking, because I think there's such a negative connotation to it where it's like, I'm being restrictive, right? No, you are just a scientist collecting data about what you're consuming. Tracking is super critical, if not one of the number one or most important tools. It's a tool that you can use to get yourself to where you want to be. And when it comes to overestimating, you know, if your goal is fat loss and weight loss with that, if you're overestimating, you're potentially taking yourself out of a calorie deficit, which we know is the number one thing that's going to help us lose fat and weight and how we can be more accurate with this is having a food scale, right? I thought, I mean, Heck, when I started tracking and I was even using measuring cups, I always remember I would measure out oatmeal and I would do a heaping quarter cup, right? Rather than a flat line quarter cup. And at the end of the day, yes, it's not like drastically different if, you know, you're somebody that metabolizes food well, you have a high metabolism and you're like moving and grooving, right? I'm in, I'm in a maintenance stage for myself right now, but If you have a specific goal, the more accurate you are, the better your results are going to be. And that's going to come down from uh, just straight measuring it out, right? Using a food scale um, for that accuracy. One thing that um, another franchise partner and in the FitBody brand, he said, if you change the plan, you change the results, right? So if your coach is telling you to weigh out four ounces of chicken and you're weighing out three, that's going to change your result ultimately down the line, right? Or if you're weighing out a hundred grams of an apple and you're weighing out less than that, know that your result is going to be 
different. So when you're not seeing the results that you're looking for, don't complain, you know, if you're not following with the plan. Exactly. Yeah. And like with the inaccuracies, like, you know, tracking is an, is not an exact science, but it's when we're not paying attention to trying to be most accurate that we can, that all these inaccuracies start to add up. And then, you know, at the end of the week, it's like, whoa, you know, a couple hundred calories every day, like, boom, you're, you know, you're up at maintenance and you're like, oh, I just can't lose weight. I'm trying everything. But it's like, hey, like, let's get really accurate. Like, let's start weighing out, uh, you know, yeah. just things that you might not even think about, like, uh, especially like oil. Yes. I was just going <laughs> to say that. Peanut butter. You ever been like depressed, like weighing out like a tablespoon of peanut butter? <laughs> Literally. And I think with tracking, you know, especially if you're somebody that tracks macros, I like to look at, look at it as a budget, right? So if you are somebody that loves peanut butter, like myself, you know, I actually used to restrict and binge throughout the week. And I know we'll dive into that, but I used to eat like a jar of peanut butter in like three days. Like that's how much I would deprive myself of it throughout the week because I looked at it as a bad food, right? When I cut this habit, I budgeted two servings a day of peanut butter. Like when I was tracking my macros, like I would budget that in because I knew for myself at the time, like that was a non-negotiable for me, right? And when that's a non-negotiable because I love freaking peanut butter, I'm more likely going to follow through with my plan because I know it's there, you know? And then as I started to feel more comfortable with tracking and as my craving the more I had it, the more I budgeted for it, the less I wanted it, you know, across time. So if you're somebody that's struggling with trying or struggling with overeating a particular source, think about how many times throughout the week, one, you're actually having it, but more so in one sitting, like, are you overeating it in one sitting, you know, and one way that you can, I would say, manage that is allow yourself one serving a day of it. Right. And then watch how over time your craving for it just diminishes. For sure. And I love the concept of budget, especially in the, in the sense of overall tracking and like tracking is comparable to tracking, like your finances, tracking your budget. It's like, if you have a big goal of, you know, getting yourself, you know, out of debt, massively improving your financial picture and you're not tracking things it's like, you know, that's going to be probably really hard and maybe really unhelpful to, you know, make progress. And so it's the same thing when it comes to our health and fitness is like, if we're tracking things, we're also tracking, uh, you know, how progress is moving, just like we do as coaches with clients is like, we're tracking progress photos, we're tracking metrics, we're seeing how things are moving along. And then we're able to informed, being informed, make a decision on how to adjust things moving forward. So yeah, if you haven't tracked before, or, you know, if it's something you've been thinking about, definitely diving into that. And, you know, tracking can be something that just like Kristen said, is such an incredible tool and can, you know, drastically change your journey and help you, you know, mentally like look at food differently, but it can also be something that uh, it starts to be a negative thing. And really what tracking I think does is it amplifies the issues that you have with food inside, right? It's not the tracking. It's not the tracking. That's the enemy per se. It's that tracking starts to really bring up and like make 
aware to you, hey, like this is maybe a cognitive distortion, right? Or like a, a some sort of like a belief that's really not unhelpful is like coming up. And then you're like, oh my God, like tracking is just not, you know, it's just unhealthy, whatever for me. And like, sure. Yeah. Sometimes we need to take a break from it. But a lot of the times just using that information as like our, our, uh, path for growth. I, right? like I your foundation of it. Yeah. It's totally like just getting curious about what you're doing throughout your day. Right. And I think a lot of people just get so scared of one being honest with themselves, but two failing, right? Like they think if they're going to track, they're going to bring attention to, uh, like, they're going to bring attention to the truth and why they're truly failing. But without failure, we're not experiencing without those experience experiences, you're not going to have data. And without the data, this is why we're scratching our head thinking, where the heck do I start? So if you can just get curious rather than putting so much stress and strain on the thought of failing, like I own a business, Anna, you own a business. We fail every day. I'm sure you feel the same way too, right? Like I make moves and I'm like, what the hell did I just do, right? But the difference between us and I would say other people is we keep showing up for it. And I think if you look at your nutrition in the same sense of, okay, today I might've went out of range of my macro goals, but guess what? Tomorrow's a new opportunity. I'm gonna show up exactly the same with maybe greater intention today, right? So it's just showing up day after day. For sure. It's, it's really, it's such a mental game. This whole health and fitness transformation journey, um, that you're embarking on is like, when you have a mess up, what you let that mean is everything. If you let that mean, Hey, okay. Like that showed me where I can improve. Like, let's keep going. Or it's, or are you using that as like evidence to why, Oh, I just can't do this. I can never stick to the plan. You know, I just always fail at this. It's not going to work for me. And then you do go down that negative spiral and let yourself go there. Right. So it's kind of, it's, I, I listened to a podcast yesterday all about having standards and like, what are your standards for yourself? And this is really in line with that conversation of like, is your standard to be like, Hey, I am fully committed to this journey and I'm fully committed to improving my health, improving my, you know, physique, whatever it is. And, you know, through the mess ups, Hey, you know, that's okay. Like we're coming back to the standard. Yeah. You know, to your point there, one thing I tell every, or when I told, when I was doing more one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching, the first thing I ever said to anybody I onboarded was, you are the only person that gets impacted by your actions. When I put my head on the pillow, whatever you did today didn't impact me. So you are the only person that needs to be okay with what your actions and how you follow through with your goals for the day. Like that's it. And so if you're upset with the progress that you may not be making, you need to look internally. Like coaches can only do so much, right? Like we're always here as listening ears. We're always here to help guide, right? It's just a pathway though. Like you're the only person that can take action on that path. So again, to your point of standards, do you want to be the person that follows through with what they say they're going to do? Or are you just going to waste your money essentially on in investing into a coach? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And 
you know, on this conversation of uh, being accurate and, and showing up and following through, what do you say to the person who's like, Kristen, I've been, you know, I've been accurate with the plan. I think it's just my hormones. It's my age or, you know, my metabolism is broken. What do you say to that person? That's a deep question. Um, first off, you're, in a general you're, sense, <laughs> you're you're not broken, right? Um, and then I think you know, first thing that I would do is go back. Are they checking all of their boxes, right? Like how many days throughout the week? I like to call them winning weeks, right? Four out of the seven days out of your week, you know, are you hitting your macros? Are you within range of your nutrition goals, right? Are you see that? <laughs> I was curious what that is for anyone listening on audio. She, when she does the thumbs up, there's like a thumbs up icon that comes up on Zoom. (laughs) Love that. Are you drinking enough water, right? Are you getting at least 7,500 steps in and whatnot? It's like going to the blueprint and asking them how much are they truly following through with, right? And then it's like, next question are we being honest with what we're tracking? Right. I think a lot of people get so scared again, to track those things that their coaches are going to yell at them. We're not going to freaking yell at you. We're right there with you eating M&Ms and pop tarts and shit like that. You know, like, trust me, like I literally had a pop tart the other night, you know, it's just more. So I think it, and this could be a way deeper conversation, but it comes down to internal confidence, right? Like how confident are you in your ability to say, I did that, or I messed up, or I had X, Y, and Z, right? So I think if you're able to get comfortably confident with what you're currently doing and just accepting it, right? Like just accepting what you're doing. It's okay if you're not okay with what you're doing, but if you accept it, you're going to be able to make changes to it afterwards. So I don't even know if that answered your question to it. It really, it does. And that's like, it's the same conversation of, you know, when there's high levels of shame, when you have high levels of shame around something around, you know, what you're doing, like, that's where maybe like mentally, like you, you shut off from it. And like, sometimes people don't even like really realize, oh, I just like stuffed, you know, a couple, you know, handfuls of this in my mouth. And like, I'm just going to forget it. I'm just going to move on and, you know, whatever. Cause they're not able to, you know, accept and experience that feeling of like frustration of shame. And so like being able to, in that moment, give yourself compassion and people get compassion wrong. And they think that that means letting yourself off the hook, but in reality, it's giving kindness to your past self. And like going back to your point of getting curious, that is the key here to growth is like, let's get curious about your different behaviors. Like, why is this coming up for you? Like, what can we learn from this behavior? And oftentimes there's something deeper. There's something deeper that's causing you to, you know, have this self-sabotaging behavior and we can dive into that. And that's how we're able to move forward. Right. So instead of like shoving it down and kind of like not, you know, addressing like those things that you don't like is like, let's look at them and let's, you know, welcome them. And, you know, that's how we're going to be able to move through them. Yeah. With a lot of that shame though, I think we could dive or we could go in the direction of the people you hang out with, you know? And the reason why I bring that up is because I like, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about what it actually took for me to make the complete transition and switch to stay consistent with my goals 
And it took like, I don't want to say isolating, but my close friend group or the people I started familiarizing myself with transformed completely. Right. And so I think it was more so accepting being like, I'm just in the wrong environment right now. And I think a lot of people struggle with this because think about what social socializing is nowadays, right? It's drinking. It's, oh, let's go out to dinner. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Like those are the things that are preventing you from achieving your fat loss and weight loss goals. Right. And I think people just tend to hide and people tend to like pleasure others in that sense without thinking of themselves. Yeah. And it's so normalized these days. Like, (laughs) and just like you said, you're around that all the time. That's what you see. Like humans, naturally we mirror each other. It's just human nature. And so when your whole friend group is, you know, binge drinking and then going out for, you know, the munchies and they're up till 3am, like that's going to be you, you know, you want to, we want to fit in, we want to be part of the tribe. And so it's like, if you want to really change your life in that way, it's like getting clear on, all right, I'm going to need to make some shifts. And how can I start, you know, connecting with the people who, uh, you know, are embodying like who I want to be and learn from them and connect with them. And yeah. So, so this conversation of like hormones and, you know, metabolism is, is a really interesting one. Uh, you know, we hear that, oh, you know, the, the calorie deficit doesn't work for me because of like my hormone issues. And that is false. What's happening is your hormones can create high levels of fatigue. Okay. So naturally you're going to move way less. Maybe you'll twitch less. You're probably not going to get up as much. You'll probably maybe have a really hard time like pushing in the gym. Right. And so that does make it very hard to expend you know, more energy, which can lead to a very hard time or a more difficult time getting into a calorie deficit, but it is not impossible, right? It is not impossible to, um, to make progress when you're having like hormonal issues. And oftentimes like pushing through that sometimes can be the thing you really need to heal. Or sometimes it is like pulling back and taking a different approach, but a calorie deficit is always going to, it's always going to work. Um, so yeah, that's something I'm hearing in like the, in the, you know, uh, gimmicky world is like, Oh, calorie deficit, like doesn't work. And (laughs) it's like, no, (laughs) actually, it actually is the only way, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but uh, you bring up an amazing point of rest, right. And when we do feel as though we have these hormonal damages and whatnot, it's like kind of evaluating the internal and external stresses in your life. Like everybody has stress. Like I carry stress so much throughout my day too. Don't get me wrong, but how are we actively recovering from that? Like, are you doing workouts that are adding a butt ton of load and demand onto your body? Like you're in the gym for two hours, you're fatigued, you're coming home exhausted, like can barely keep your eyes open, can barely move your body. Like I, to bring up the point of rest, like ask yourself, check in with yourself throughout the week. Like at what point of the week are you feeling depleted completely in the ground and whatnot? That may be a sign that maybe if you're doing five workouts a week, you need to pull back a little bit, right? Maybe you do four and do active rest days of walking. Walking is the number one, most undervalued form of movement, like just in general for recovery. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the topic of supporting hormones better can be like a whole podcast in itself, yes. which is a topic that I'm passionate about because I've, I've gone kind of gone through the ringer with that. And, you know, it's, it's all about managing stressors. Just like Kristen is saying is like, if we have too much stressor going on, like your body is going to be in constant fight or flight, it's going to be probably impossible to, you know, make progress. And so there are times where it's like, Hey, I'd rather you sleep way more than like wake up at 5am for a workout. And like, maybe that's just a season where you're letting your body heal. But, um, there, there is a time and place to pull back. And then there are times to push and it's knowing how to, how to properly phase that and not be always in the, the push because we, when I was having my uh, issues, it was, it was the hard, you know, two plus hour powerlifting workouts, uh, you know, extremely high volume. And I started to notice sleep issues. I was having a hard time falling asleep at night. I was super inflamed. Um, and you know, just the cascade of all these, like of coming off the pill, like a year prior and that still not being fully healed. And then it was just like wreaked havoc. And so like not letting yourself get to that place and like noticing the signs, like when you're not sleeping well, when you're not, you know, when performance is suffering, like pay attention to that. And sometimes pushing harder is not the answer. Yeah. I think of a prime example when it's my time of the month, like, and I was, I specifically remember of this one time it was like after prep and I was still, you know, very, I wasn't as healthy in the mind as I am now with my food. It was my time of the month. And we all know, like for some reason, you know, at times your appetite can increase, you know, during that time. And I was laying on the floor watching TV and I was so hungry to the point where my, my stomach was growling. Right. And I started getting these pains and I started going back and forth in my mind where I was like, I was thinking about having fruit. I was having this internal battle about having freaking fruit. Okay. And I was like, do I have it? Oh my gosh. I'll go over my carbs. If I have it, should I not have it? Should I have it? I'm so freaking hungry. I ended up having the damn apple. Okay. Woke up the next morning and think when we weigh ourselves, we just look at them as data points. Like that's it, right? I weigh myself daily to kind of see how my body weight fluctuates from my actions the day before. And so I ended up having the damn apple and I was over my carbs, 25 grams, and I was down in weight, right? Just by honoring what my fucking body was telling me that it needed. And that is kind of like what the flip the flip the switch moment for me was, was I was like, I need to get so in tune with what my body is telling me it needs rather than stressing a fucking number at times. Right. I do think people take advantage of that though, and get mixed up with actual like starvation pains versus just feeling a little bit of hunger. Right. When you're in a calorie deficit, you are going to feel hunger, right? Like that's just normal and natural to feel. It's all about, I would say, satiating that as much as you can, which means more protein at times, which I know we're going to dive into, but not only just more protein, it's like you're more satiating complex carb sources, the quality of your foods. Um, But yeah, that what you said, I brought that up. I was like, damn, I am stressing myself out about a fucking apple when in reality my body wanted it so bad in return my body weight went down you know and at the time for me that was a good thing you know now I could care less about it but like at the time that was a good thing for me 
Yeah. And, and it's kind of, it's like a refeed, right? Is that's yeah. what yeah. it. So I remember a specific example where I felt the same thing. I was really, really hungry and I was in a fat loss phase and I was, I was killing it. I felt really good with my flow with nutrition. And I was just like, I can't, I don't know. I feel really funny. And I had this, uh, this chocolate like bark and I ate, I think like most of the bag, <laughs> like I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to have this. And the next day, sure enough, I get like a whoosh in my, like, you know, my journey. And so it's like, okay, that's not, you know, the strategy for all the time, but sometimes like your body does need a little bit extra and, uh, that can even, you know, help us with progress. So, so yeah, so I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit about like your journey with like restricting and binging and like how, you know, how you have been able to get to a good spot with that. Um, and just kind of give our listeners some value. Cause I know that that's a big struggle that a lot of people have, and that I went through a lot of that myself. We can talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So I think for me, the biggest point of when I did notice the pattern of restricting and binging was when I was in college, you know, it was Monday through Thursday, like eat literally nothing. It was like, for some reason, cool to not eat. Right. Like first, which is so wrong, by the way, like it needs to be flipped where it is so freaking cool to eat it like you know how badass it is to say like I can eat 2200 calories or whatever and be completely fine and be like a badass throughout my day like that's cool that is cool not saying oh I ate a piece of celery today like no so anyways and then it came to the point where it was Friday and this is where I think the people in the workspace with typical nine to fives or even college students and whatnot um they get into this mindset where it's like, I was good all week. And it's like, redefine what good is for yourself. Right. And so then it's like, you have all these intense cravings and you just want everything. Like I was just an empty pit. And it was from the point of like, when I started drinking for the weekend. And then when you, you know, consume alcohol, what that can lead to, like that can lead to unintentional calories being consumed. And one thing leads to the next and you're like 5,000 calories in. And so I literally felt like at times like Friday to Sunday, it was just a free for all, a blackout time where I just like, didn't, I didn't care. But then on Sunday I did this and I'm sure a lot of other people do too. It's like, all right, starting on Monday, starting over on Monday, like this is the Monday, right? Where what really changed for me in this restricting and binging uh, process was, again, being honest with myself. What am I not happy with in my life right now, right? Like, what am I not happy with what I'm doing throughout my day? And for me, a big part of it was I recognized that I wasn't eating. And, you know, this is actually when I started coaching at FitBody as a part-time coach, started with one of their challenges where they required me to eat five meals a day. And I was like, the fuck? I was like, there's no way this is going to work. I was like, five meals? Where now I'm like, thank the Lord. But it just took me to go all in on what, first off, I invested into a program that one, I believed in right? I believed in, I valued their values and I just, I trusted it. And I told myself, 
what you've been doing for the past X amount of years has gotten you to where you are right now. You're clearly not happy with it. So something's got to give, something's got to change. So I was like, what do I got to lose? If these people are telling me to eat five meals, I'm going to freaking eat five meals and see what happens. Right. And that's when my world changed. I had more energy. I felt better mentally. I felt completely just on top of the world, my cravings started going down. And by the time that Friday had come, I was like, wait a second, I'm not craving a drink. I'm not craving anything massively sweet. Like I felt so just balanced, you know? And so I think first and foremost, if you are in this restrictive and then binging cycle, you have to go all in on fueling yourself properly throughout the week, right? Like set appropriate goals for yourself. Setting a goal of eating one piece of celery per day is not a goal, right? Like, seriously, like have, let maybe you're eating two meals right now and maybe these meals aren't even nutritiously dense, nutrient dense, right? Maybe you start with just bettering what you're having in those meals, right? I saw something on Instagram the other, the other day and everyone, I think the trend now is everyone's making their own bread, right? Like everyone's making their own bread and like, that's fucking cool, but that's not a meal. Like add something to the bread, right? Add some eggs, add some avocado, like add more value into your day rather than being like, well, I know what I'm going to do this weekend. I know I'm going out like two, three times. So I need to save my calories. When you're saving calories, you're actually fueling to the fire down the road because we all know what's going to happen when we're there. We are just going to, our, our hunger cues are all over the place. We're completely going to throw in the towel and we're going to be like, man, I'm so hungry. I can't even think about staying within range right now, right? So be all in on fueling yourself. Absolutely. Some of my favorite clients when they come to me and they go, Hey, like, and I really struggle with like nighttime over snacking or like I binge at night and it's like, Hey, let's start eating more throughout the day. And then they're like, and I'm not binging anymore. And I'm like, yeah, like, like, you know, what's it can be done. You know, what's crazy. And I've noticed this specifically within women, like we are so scared at times to eat when the sun is out, but then it's like, think about what happens when the sun is away, you know, it's like, make it cool to eat when it's daylight again. Like, I promise you, nobody is judging you for what you're eating. They're not even going to (laughs) remember. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've always taken the mindset too, that like eating is cool. Cause like, that was the world I got into is like fueling for you know performance and whatever and I thought it was almost like in my head I made it like a flex that I was just like you're saying that I was able to eat that much (laughs) so a little weird in that way but um but yeah like binging can be so much deeper than just like you're not eating enough but oftentimes it is simply you are not like eating properly during the day maybe you're eating you know more than you need throughout the week and you're gaining weight and so maybe you're like what are they talking about? I'm eating more than enough, but you're eating more than enough because we're not eating enough when we need it. And then that's leading to the overeating. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like one of the biggest things I think when it comes to progress is I get all the time. um, 1200 calories is a lot, 
right? But all that our clients at times think about is the Monday through Wednesday, sometimes Thursday mindset. Like, yeah, you might be restricting yourself heavily Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but when you're overeating and you're going out to eat for every meal and then the alcoholic drinks do add up, you're actually not in a caloric deficit. Like you're taking yourself out of that without even being aware. So when next time you tell your coach or whoever that, yeah, I'm in a deficit. I get, it's hard to eat 1200 calories. No, it's not. You're doing it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We know you are, but be honest with yourself, right? Like, and this isn't to put shame to anybody. It's just more so, I hope, motivating to bring attention and awareness to it if you are feeling stuck. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing with the weekends is sometimes people have a perception of healthy eating and like hitting their nutrition as unenjoyable, as like not fun. And it's like, what if you challenge that narrative? how can I make this something that I actually really like the food that you know I begin to like, you know, over time your palate does change and that can take time, but like, Hey, I want to make meals that I actually like, and that this feels sustainable. And when you have that approach that actually feels like you can do that for good, like you're going to have a way easier time on the weekends. Like when I started my journey, I started eating, uh, I believe it was like 1500 calories. And it, at the time it was way too low for me. I probably needed closer to 3000 just with the yeah. athletic level that I was at with soccer and everything like that. And I was like, no wonder I was struggling so much with binge eating. Cause I literally needed way more. But when I started eating more, I started eating maybe like, I think it was like 1800 to 2000. I started making progress because I was actually able to stick to it. Yeah. You know, like when you go way too low with the deficit and then you're struggling with the binging, it's like, I'd rather you bump it up and actually be consistent. And you'll very likely see way better progress than trying to go way low and then you're binging. And then it's just perpetuating that yo-yo dieting cycle. Yeah. I think the faster that we can accept that nutritious eating is a way of life, the more enjoyable it can be, you know, like no matter what phase you're in, if you're in a maintenance phase, if you're in a deficit, fat, fat loss phase, whatever, an apple is always going to be good for you, right? Fruit is always going to be good for you. Protein is always going to be necessary, right? Healthy fats, like avocados, the whole dang egg, right? Natural oils, like these things are always going to be essential, no matter if you're trying to lose weight and fat, or if you're really just trying to maintain a lifestyle, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or gain, you know, like most people, yeah, or gain. <laughs> most people's goals, like fat loss and, and, you know, um, that's just mostly what we see, but like also, you know, some people it's like, Hey, want to like gain some weight. And so, so, yeah. so with protein, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, um, that I think will be a great way to kind of finish this conversation off is like protein being such an important piece of the puzzle when it comes to, fitness journey, health journey, and just the impact it makes. So if you want to share a little bit of like, why is protein important? Yeah. So first and foremost, the number one reason, and I always say this too, the number one reason why you're probably not seeing the fat loss and weight loss or any, any recomposition results that you're looking for is because you have a lack of protein in your diet, just naturally, right? When we work out, we naturally break down our muscle fibers, right? 
And the only thing that is going to help repair and refuel your muscle bellies is going to be your protein, right? And so when we consume enough protein, um, we are building and promoting what's called lean body mass. When you have more natural lean body mass on your body, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, the number of calories you burn at rest increases. So consuming more protein with the combination, of course, of resistance training is going to naturally increase your BMR over time, right? Making fat loss and weight loss more sustainable or a healthier, stronger body sustainable. Um, I don't want women to be scared out there to consume protein because you're going to look like a bodybuilder. Like I did that and it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember adding protein to a smoothie one time with a, and a friend was next to me. She's like, oh, I don't need any of that. Like, I don't want to, you know, build muscle. And I'm like, ah, it's not, you know, how that works. But also, you know, aside from just building muscle, uh, blood sugar regulation management, right? Like energy wise, um, it's going to be huge. Also in terms of satiety, right? Yeah. Like, like actually feeling full and satisfied after meals, if you're eating, you know, really high carb meal and then you're like, you're not really feeling satisfied a lot of the time. And then you go back for more and that's where that leads to that overeating. Right. So yeah. So protein. That's what I got on protein. If anything, if you get anything out of, I would say a nutrition talk today and you're feeling confident and all the other stuff we talked about, I would say the number one thing that you could do and take action on today is just accurately track your protein and just see where it is. Right. Yeah. So, and then how much protein, you know, when they track it, figure that out, how much protein should you be eating? Yeah. Um, I think a good general rule of thumb, I would say is if you've ever done like an in-body scan and it can tell you your lean body mass for every, I would say one gram of protein or for every one pound of lean body mass, get in one gram of protein. Typically we see this to be around a hundred grams or so, just depending on our clientele and what we see at fit body. Um, I would say strive for a hundred, right. Or how I would start this is track your protein for the next three days. Get a trend. If you're averaging right now around 60 grams or so, bump that up to 70, right? Take it in increments until you get to 100. I never ever want to set a goal that feels so out of reach for a client, especially initially when they're like, I'm already not consistent as it is. Imagine somebody consuming 60 grams of protein and we set a goal for them of like 120 or 130, whatever. They'd be like, what? Like I need to double what I'm having already. Think about adding more volume to the direct protein sources that you're having already. You know, maybe incorporating a protein shake only because it's convenient, tasty, and very easy to consume. Um, so just things like that. So I would say track for the next three days and try to kind of see, you know, where your average is around and try to challenge yourself to 10 grams more than that. Or if you have an in-body scan, look for your lean body mass and whatnot and take it from there. Yeah. Love it. That's, you know, that's a great, like kind of, you know, starting conversation for anyone who's listening, but you know, after that we, we recommend hiring a professional and getting that guidance so that it's, you know, optimized for you. So cool. But yeah, thanks so much for this conversation today, Kristen. It was awesome to, you know, get some of your insight and, you know, hear about your really, really inspiring journey and story. 
Um, so thanks so much for being on. Where can the listeners find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Kristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N underscore Zam, Z-A-M-M. So that's where I hang out a lot. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kristen. Hope you have a good awesome. day. Thanks. See you guys in the next one. Thanks, Anna.